Open up your ears and open up your mind They'll reach into your throat and pull out your spine And when the sun blows up and the earth is gone They'll still experience grind with Kyle and Sean I get animated, I'm, I'm famous in our group for the uh you know, I will say Discord completely cut that out. But my mind filled in the blank that Discord provided me. And my, like, I didn't even feel like, I felt I held that back and it peaked off screen on Audacity too, so. Oh, that's fantastic. Uh, if this makes the cut, congrats listeners. You're now deaf. You are <laughs> deaf. Uh, over, imagine it in person. Man, uh, could you could, yeah right could you imagine could you imagine being unable to talk Wh- what's that called being dumb mute like, oh which one's dumb well i think dumb was a very broad and generalized term in the early centuries to represent people with all kinds of different mental uh i don't want to say deficiencies but uh disabilities i guess is the word um, how is I think was, that? How has that not been canceled? I think it has. I mean, you don't really hear. I mean, dumb now is more of a generalized insult. You don't really actually medically call people dumb. I don't yeah. think the last the last popular thing I can think of is uh, Tommy by the Who, who's the deaf, okay. dumb, and blind kid who plays a mean pinball. Deaf, dumb, and blind. So, what does dumb mean in that one? Again, I think just because he's deaf and blind, he's also not very educated in that sense, I would imagine. Oh. But it, it could also mean a slight mental disability, learning disability, like, you know, uh, Down syndrome-esque. Okay, because uh, I remember when we were talking about uh, Helen Keller. Sorry, uh-huh. had to, yeah. I don't know why I, I confuse those two all the time. But when we were talking about Helen Keller, when I was in like third grade, pretty sure they said like deaf and dumb or something like that. Deaf, yeah. blind, and dumb. Dumb might have also know. meant just mute because Helen Keller couldn't talk. I mean, she yeah. made sounds with her mouth, but it wasn't words. Right. Right. So, well, I've learned something today. And I hope everybody of my age that has been confused about this for their entire lives <laughs> has walked away from this podcast knowing this. So you're welcome, everybody. Wait, what? Because uh, <laughs> learning is knowledge and knowledge is power. Yeah. That's and now you're stronger. Gosh, it took me. Oh, I can tell the age. The, the gears are turning slower, man. Yeah, I also worry. Is it, like, they, is it the always, age? Well, I mean, it's <laughs> what we're saying. It is right now. Uh, <laughs> they they say that like a dry and sarcastic uh, wit and sense of humor, uh, those people tend up to end up with dementia. Uh, oh, so, I am fucked. Yeah, I'm screwed there. And then I also I just I sleep so little, man. I sleep like four hours a night. <sighs> like I feel like I'm 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 set up. Uh I don't feel my brain gets fully wiped in mm. the night. I need to Yeah, that's not good. You got to you got to get a little bit more sleep and this is I coming do, from man. the guy that slept like 5 hours max each night for from 17 to 34. <laughs> and then I I've think, just like, recently embraced the melatonin lifestyle. You do go hard on the melatonin. There's no going back. No, that's what I'm afraid of. And that's okay. That's embrace, okay. <laughs> embrace the sleep, man. Let it's one embrace. And that, like I said, I think of people like, uh, you know, there's a, there's a full-time dude that LeBron James pays that just tells him when to go to bed and takes like his phone from him and takes electronic devices from him. Like an that's hour legitimate. That. And yeah, it's legitimate. And it makes him get so he can get like eight hours a night every night. So what you're telling me is if you are you, if you have enough money, it does not matter if you have zero self-control. 
you could just pay someone to be your self-control. I mean, yeah, essentially. I think that's what all rich people do. Like CEOs at companies do, they don't do like anything. They, they go to like the gym, they go to like lunch meetings and shit, and they have people that just like run their entire lives that like as soon as they get up, they've got somebody that has their schedule for the day and is like taking them everywhere that they are set to go. Starting tomorrow, I am sending out a resume to every C-tier actor in Hollywood, oh. offering oh. my services as their personal go-to-bed guy. Like Alec Baldwin tomorrow's opening, like waking up and seeing a message from me. Well, and then you have things like, uh, have you ever heard about David Spade and his assistant? No, this there's no way this could be good. Oh, it's not, man. Like uh, David Spade's assistant, like tried to kill him. Like they had, and he was like, he's like a six, three, 350 pound giant man of a dude that like had been Spade's assistant for like 10 years. He'd known this guy and like, he went crazy one night and broke into David Spade's bedroom at like 3 AM and like somehow David Spade heard it and like he woke up and that dude's in his bed or in his like bedroom and it's like super dark and he's like. What's going on? And the guy was like, we had an alarm go off. And David Spade was hes thinking, he's like, I didn't even set the house alarm. And like, as he was thinking that the dude punched him in the face. And then like, <laughs> just like started trying to get on top of him and like beat him up and like strangle him. And they like wrestled around, went outside. David Spade like somehow got behind him, got back inside and like was locked his bedroom door and like had his shotgun. I have three things to say to this. It's insane. One, one, David Spade needs to spend more money and get a go-to-sleep guy Uh um, because he's clearly not sleeping deep enough (laughs) that he woke (laughs) up to that. full eight. Yeah. Two, David Spade, squirrely as fuck. Yeah, dude. Got away. Jesus. And also three, can you blame this guy? (laughs) This guy probably lived so many people's fantasies that night, except for the fact that he got away. Also, FBI agent listening. Uh, This is not intention or. (laughs) He used that story. Well, I guess it worked out eventually in his favor, because then after that, because of that, he started dating the uh, the chick from Happy Gilmore and Modern Family. No. Yeah, dude. He he bagged that dime piece for a hot minute. What? Yeah, dude. Because of that story, too. Hold on. What was her name? You're asking I me should know this. I, I should, too, because I also liked her in Modern Family. And as soon as you look it up, I'll know it. It starts with a J. It's Julie... It, it is Julie something. Happy Gilmore. Julianne... Is just Julie, Julie Bowen, Julie Bowen. Yes, yes. Wow. I knew it. It's weird when you look at someone and you're like, oh, man, like you were one of my first crushes when I was a kid, and then you hear this story and you go, uh-huh. wow, your standards were really low. So you're you saying that, there's a chance. I think that like Spade has got to be some sort of like mystical lover because the amount of like top tier hollywood ladies that guy has pulled in is just crazy it's gotta be he also like you can't like david spade is not a threatening person obviously because of the assistant story so yeah you didn't tell me you didn't say that he got behind him put him in a chokehold you know put him to sleep and got back inside with a shotgun he did and his, he does wrestle with the guy a couple times, though. And he's not, let's be real, he's not particularly funny. Spade, I like a lot of Spade stuff, man. I'm a, I'm not a Spade hater. Like, most people hate Schneider, and that fuck, I mean, oh, I I'll don't give like you Schneider. all day. But uh, Spade, I love Joe Dirt. I love Joe Dierte. I love his cameo in Grandma's Boy as the waiter. Uh, I mean, he does also suck in oh, a lot of things too. Good. But I liked, a, I loved him in Tommy Boy. I still love him in Tommy Boy. 
I've never seen that. Are you kidding me? Come on. I'm dead serious. I, no, you're not. You've never seen Tommy I'm dead Boy. serious. I've never seen Tommy Boy. All right. Well, that's a, that we are absolutely rectifying that. Oh, he's it great is. in Grandma's Boy. Yeah, he is fantastic in Grandma's Boy as uh, Shiloh. Yeah, Shiloh. Whatever you say, guy blow, it's Shiloh. You said it wrong, <laughs> stupid. He's so fucking awesome, dude. Dude, I don't get, I love that movie. And I understand that other people don't like it, but I don't get why people hate it that much. I even like the Benchwarmers. I do too. It's yep, a bullshit nice. crap movie. Don't go in expecting it's. It's not. It's stupid. It's a. It's, it's a get stoned, turn off your brain, and have a good time. It's I also kinda... okay. This one I don't see you agreeing with me on, but I've seen Grown Ups mm-hmm. like ten times. I. I will watch Grown Ups because it's one of those. It's just so incredibly dumb. Yeah, that it, it's it's fun to laugh at, but it's Maze. not. Amazing. So like, I've I've never seen a movie <laughs> with so many just fucking wipe cuts. That is a major Hollywood release, and they're just like, yeah. All right, well that scene's over. Wipe cut. <laughs> Who cares? And bring Get on the, the next. Out. And and but, it got a sequel. I've never watched the sequel, and I'm okay with that. Did you ever see the uh, the Spade Sandler Netflix movie where Adam Sandler's like a spy? No. And David Spade is like a dork and like they went to high school together. And is then, that like, recent? I was like four or five years ago now. Is it the do-over? That's another one that is also Spade, I think. It might be that one, though. Possibly the Mr. and Mrs. Smith parody? No, I have to look it up now too. You got me curious because I actually Sandy did enjoy Rex- Wexler. I'll just keep Maybe. going. Yeah. Hmm. David the Maid Sandler spy flick. I thought Father of the, the Year was funny it is too. Do over. Nice. Okay. No, I haven't seen that. Uh, did you see Father of the Year? No. Who's that one? Oh, it's terrible. It came out in 2018. It's, I I mean, it's terrible. Oh, is that the one with Andy Samberg and Sandler? No. No? Nope. Nope. It's got a whole bunch of nobody in it except for him. David Spade. Unless, is Jared Sandler Adam Sandler's kid or something? Must be. Just like his wife is in uh, the Halloween movie, Herbie. I think she's in most of his movies if you actually look for her. Hubie Halloween. Yeah. Oh, he's in Although this he's one still, too. Huh. He makes sure he's married to Soma Hayek in Grown Ups. Oh my God. I could just go down this rabbit hole of like. Actually, David Spade is pretty good. It's Rob Schneider that's I'm, not very funny. There you I don't go, mind man. Rob Schneider. Yeah. I turned you around. There we go. Yeah, because so now I just that got... means we can we can pivot to the next point and watch Tommy Boy. I can't. You've never seen it. It's set in Massachusetts, no. bro. That's news to me, man. Wildness. It's literally, <laughs> I think it's Mandy's favorite movie of all time. Really? It's its in my top, probably easily top 10 of comedies. It might be in the top five of comedies. And it still holds up, which is the best part. Cool. Okay. Fantastic. Well, sign me up. Man. Sign me up. It, I feel like we're going to need some good movies after the next couple of weeks. Maybe. Yeah, there's a possibility. Yeah. Yeah. I was talking. So I was playing uh, some board game arena last night with Dave, our buddy Dave from uh, Beer Me a Movie and Ryan yeah. of, well, Experience Grind. And uh, I was like, man, know what we're doing next week? And they go, what? I'm like, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation 2, Cousin Eddie's Island Adventure or whatever. And the response was, why <laughs> why why would you do that to yourself I love that and i'm wondering two. the same thing but also i want to watch a randy quaid dumpster fire oh man i will watch anything terrible i have never seen this movie i can only imagine it's awful i the, one of the worst movies i have seen is a national land poons movie but it's the thanksgiving one i've never seen that i've Which i've has... seen a surprising a lot of them but yeah yeah, 
I've seen, I mean, I like the the four main ones a lot. Although mm-hmm. European, I'll, I'll take or leave. I don't care for it's that okay. One. Yeah. It's okay. Um, but the other big three, all fantastic. And then, yeah, you get into those weird knockoffs and it's just, uh, it's like the Van Wilder sequels. Like, yeah. why? Like, there was a, after Van Wilder, they were just on a kick of every year. They're Call of Duty-ing National mm-hmm. Lampoons. It's like, can we think of a dumb, crude, mildly funny movie and we're going to slap National Lampoon on it? Yep, and they were just going direct to DVD for a hot minute, too. Just that yeah. Walmart budget bit. That's depressing, man. Like, ugh. I would rather watch, and this is not... Actually, this is a terrible comparison. Because while we were talking about uh, the vacation movies and European vacation, I was like, man, I want to watch Captain Ron again. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's a fun movie. That's, that's And it's fun... Russell Fest. Yeah, it's better than all of the all of the uh, National Lampoon movies after Van Wilder put together. Yeah, a hundred percent. What are we doing after Christmas Vacay? We have the. It's another one that you sent me. What yeah, it's the man who killed Hitler and then Bigfoot. That's right, and it's uh yeah. Sam it's Elliott. Sa- Sam Elliott, which I was shocked to see. I've never heard of this movie at all. Yeah, Paul saw it in theaters a couple of years ago. Came out in like 2018, 2019. Which, uh, which Paul? From work. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. The one that like... likes a lot of bad movies and he even, even him. Like today at work, he goes, are you seriously, like on a serious note, are you seriously going through with watching Christmas Vacation 2? And I said, yes. And he just laughs. And he's like, well, dude. Ask him if he's ever seen the Thanksgiving vacation. I will. I'm sure he has, but I will. So, anyways, we, we're probably going to need some good stuff at least after next week. Yes. Anyways, uh, oh. hello, listeners. It's been, it's been a couple of weeks. We had life things. You know, life comes up, as, as it will. Some work things. You got pulled into uh, a lot of work last week. How'd that? Yeah, go? as as happens with uh, my uh, my chosen career path. Sometimes uh, life comes at you, and uh, I got stuck at work till like eight thirty both nights. And uh, and you went with in my at like commu- six, didn't you? What's that? And you uh, you were going in at like five thirty or six, weren't you? Uh, one of the days I did. One of the days I was there for a good long haul. Uh, yeah, but you know, that's just the nature of the beast sometimes. And Hey, sometimes you just got to do that. Uh, but it's all good. Everything, uh, worked out. I got mad money. Who cares? (laughs) Sick. But, uh, thank you, Sean, for, uh, for letting me just roll with that. Cause I didn't really know it till like the day before and the day of, I was like, oh yeah, still here. Yep. So. And you had uh, you'd messaged me the night before. You're like, yeah, I'm going to be at work really late. And at that point, you're like, man, I'm just going to go to my apartment and keep moving. Yeah. Getting I mean, my stuff out of there. Yep. You texted me at like 830. I'm like, bro, I'm not even home. <laughs> like, yeah, there's no way we're recording anyways. So because mm-hmm. then I still have to drive home. And that was yeah. I was just looping you in like, oh, yeah, I haven't left yet. So yeah. you're like. Uh, okay, but I was assuming we weren't recording, and I was like, oh, yeah, no, we're not recording. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're good. Yeah. We're good. But, hey, we're here tonight. How you doing, we- folks? Yeah. We're, uh, I feel like this is the, the nice little appetizer, the sweet little mint pre-dinner before uh, you get served a double course of bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say, man, like we're getting like the, the pre-dinner, like, but dinner is just a pile of garbo. Nice. <clears throat> nice. Yeah. How did, how did we get onto this? Uh, I had mentioned you because, uh, of last week and just being busy and, uh, everything I wanted to do. Some, I felt like doing something light. I was in a good mood and I was like, let's do something light. I'm feeling a comedy. And you're like, yeah, I was feeling that or a Miyazaki film. And I was like, well, yeah, of course. I mean, you you do have two hands with a Miyazaki film. They're not all light. 
They can be mm-hmm. also incredibly heavy. Uh, but yeah. uh, we went with a lighter choice. I think we struck a nice balance. Like this one is light until I think you start th- until you start thinking about like the hows and whys of like what's happening in this movie. Like it can get it can get deep if you let your mind explain what's happening or it yeah. can be light and you're just like, oh, wow, that was a cute movie. I was uh, I was honestly worried it was going to take that sharp veer and I'm very, very happy it didn't. Because mm, over, overall, I really like the, the feeling and tone of the movie and I feel that almost would have been a cop out. And maybe that's the the terrible cynicism of the era we live in now where I was expecting that and was shocked it didn't come. What I've noticed, what have you seen of Miyazaki stuff? Uh, I've seen Grave of Fireflies, Princess Mononoke. Um, Grave of Spirit Fireflies Away. is Miyazaki. Is it not? I'm pretty sure it is. Yeah, oh, cause... I mean, that's just me asking. Like, that's about as heavy as you can get. Oh, yeah. Jesus. Yeah, Grave of Fireflies that's... is him, too. Because, um, honestly, what I was looking at, they released... Oh, no, it's it is it's a Ghibli film, but it's not uh, Miyazaki. OK, it's Isao Takahata. Isa, uh, yep, yep. So uh, but they released My Neighbor Totoro as a double feature with Grave of the Fireflies because uh, Ghibli thought Grave would be uh, number one too bleak and that also Totoro would not be a financial success. Yeah, uh, folks, if you haven't watched Grave of the Fireflies and you can prepare yourself for like a heavier movie, watch it. It's an hour and a half and it's like. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, um, but I've seen I've seen quite a lot, but there's a lot that I like. I, I hadn't seen uh, the other one that we were going to do. The one about the goldfish. Uh, Ponyo. Yeah, Ponyo. I've not seen Ponyo. Uh, I have seen. You also High haven't Movie seen Castle. Spirited Away. <laughs> no, I, I thought I hadn't, but I always get Spirited Away and How's Moving Castle combined. Um, oh, okay. But I, was like, I have seen it. That was one of the first. That was the first one that I had to watch. After watching, uh, I saw Boy and the Heron. Obviously, I was talking about that a couple of a couple of episodes yep. ago. Wanting to watch that, and dude, I'll tell you what. I, I'm sure we'll eventually get to that movie, but that being like the first Miyazaki movie that I actually was able to sit down and watch all the way through in one go, I I left and I was like, what the fuck was that? Yeah. Like it is these movies. Like, I don't know how someone can sit down and just put these thoughts on the paper and on, you know, whether it be writing or visualizing, illustrating, you know, like the art design of these are just absolutely insane. And the themes are all over the place, but relatively similar. You know, there's usually some heavier topic, but then it's set in this fantastical world and realm. And I wasn't quite sure what I was getting into with this, but I'm glad it was at least tonally on the you know less heavy side because mm-hmm. boy and the heron does it that is a little bit of a, a heavier thing um tonally and like thematically and obviously spirited away can have the same kind of stuff that's dealing with kind of like moving on but this was this was a good pick it, it struck the nice balance of light was- and kind of funny Sometimes. Yeah, light and kind of funny. Um, and also, uh, real credit due, thousand percent, to the fantastic voice acting of the Fanning sisters here. Because mm-hmm. Dakota Fanning, and L Dakota are absolutely charming in this movie. They do very, very, very well, uh, especially for the uh, L's young age. She was very young when she did this movie i think this is her first thing ever yeah l l did may in this movie and you had dakota doing uh satsuki uh absolutely annihilated this like they killed the roles it every scene together it felt like it was just two sisters put mm-hmm. into a room and they're like well here's some lines have fun with it that was and that's, yeah they, they had a great natural chemistry because they are sisters that was a fantastic yeah. move uh 
It was also crazy that was in we recorded in 2005. Yes, 2005. It's crazy insane. considering this movie came out in 1988. And mm-hmm. so then Disney released uh you know an English dubbed version of this with you know all of these act- actors and actresses and you have Pat Carroll like one of the most famed voices of Disney history who's going to be uh you know Ursula you know how do you mm-hmm. it's so recognizable you've also got um, Tim Daly man as the dad mm-hmm. Mwah. Lo- I loved him as soon as I heard I was like oh shit that's Tim Daly he's the dad this yeah. is going to be great and it was it was phenomenal uh, I I really again just touching back to the sisters like I I couldn't stop thinking about how unique that chemistry was. How often do you watch something where it just sounds like two kids just like yelling the same thing over and over, back and forth, back and forth, a kid parroting. It just, it did, it didn't feel directed mm-hmm. in a lot of times. It was just like, well, here's lines. Yeah, I wondered, I would have really <laughs> liked to know more of how they, uh, some of the behind the scenes stuff because uh, one of the things that I always liked about Monsters, Inc. is that the uh, the little girl that voiced Boo, they didn't have her in a booth. They just followed her around with a microphone in front of her and like recorded her just being a natural kid. Really? And then worked those recordings into the movie. Yeah. Oh, that's such a that's such an awesome way of filming, like filming those lines or recording those lines. Uh-huh. I would love to see a behind the scenes for this. Yeah, it was, they have. Uh, I know they have it for Monsters Inc., but yeah, I would love to see it for for this one too. This would be just a great little fun thing because what really made me think of it. There's a scene where uh, the younger sister May is climbing up like uh, on the tree, and it's like a big hill. And like every time that she's doing like a movement on the screen, there's like a perfectly timed grunt. And I was thinking, like, I wonder if they had like Elle Fanning climbing up like on like stacked up pads and we're just recording her as she mm. went up. Cause it was, it worked so well and was just, ah, it was like, it's little things like that, that like get overlooked, I feel. And it really worked well in that part of the performance. Yeah. I, I think I'm, this is going to be me just kind of gushing about these films whenever we talk about them, but like talking about recording dialogue and, everything like that the sound direction of all of these movies is some of the best i've ever seen in an animated film just hard stop i was thinking i think about it each time i watch one of these movies and i've only been watching them for like a month and a half you know and it stands out to me every time how good whether it be somebody walking just walking on camera or not on camera, but walking on the screen and you're hearing every crunch of everything or it's, you know, it's just picked up or in this movie when the acorns are falling and they're falling down the stairs from the, from the attic and you hear every single one of them is just so perfectly recorded and put Mm -hmm. in there. And there's so much attention to detail. Yeah. It, it's, it's, Absolutely incredible. It's like the pinnacle of animated sound design. So we talk about the attention to detail on the sound design. And I would also like to talk about, uh, I have never seen better looking water than Studio Ghibli water. Mm -hmm. It just looks so perfectly. I just want to dive in and swim with that fish and those tadpoles. Like, let me in this pond. I want to swim in this puddle. I love in the beginning of this movie when they are riding in, you know, riding the carriage in and, uh, you know, they're getting they just said hi to the neighbors. And they're like, we're going to be over here, you know, stop on yeah. in. And then they're going over the bridge and she's like a bridge. Look at the water. And it pans down to the water and there's just a bottle in the river. Like, I know it's, just, it's like, yeah, just those little details. I saw that, too. And I was like, what a fucking cool touch. Right? Like, it didn't need to be there at yeah. all. But because it was there, it makes me think about how good, how smart it was to put it there. Mm-hmm. Like, this isn't a perfect world. That river's not perfect. No, it's not. And I love that it was like, it was 
like it was pushed downstream, but then there was like that little dam. So it was like naturally that it would just get stopped there and it would yeah. just be a little piece of refuse <laughs> that would, ah, Dude, it's so good. And let me just say, they get to the house, man. And I, there is nothing in this world that I want more. Actually, there's probably a lot of things in this world that I want more. But uh, this is like top 100. <laughs> so I guess there's maybe 99 things I want more. But this is top 100 of things I want in this life is for me to live in a house where just like the entire side of one house is all just like windows or like the doors slide open so you can mm-hmm. just have an open air side yep. of your house. I love that in these movies and like just the the old school Japanese style of buildings. Love it. Yep. Love it. It is cool. It does make it like that's a huge thing in all uh Miyazaki Ghibli films too is that like glorification of like the rustic lifestyle like dude i would i wanted to move into that house and it looked like a piece of shit it looks so fucking cozy and just like oh full of warmth and laughter like i love i loved the the family moving in and like making it their own all the little touches that they do all the little games that like again coming to the chemistry of the two sisters like the two animated sisters they act like fucking siblings I love. I wondered too. Like, did the did they rotoscope some of these scenes? Because there's like the scene when May is like crawling backwards out from under this uh, the porch when she's looking at the uh, the little Totoros. Like, it looks so real and like natural, like how a young child like moves. But like, I love that they're capturing that May is still like she's a four year old child. She's like kids are not ninjas they are awkward when they move and like this little girl is like she backs up bulkily like a tank and she's just like just all these again the the attention to detail in these movies is fantastic and i did they trace over an actual kid crawling out of that or what because it's mind-blowing the things that they capture the animation team on this is outstanding Mm -hmm. and uh Going, this is almost hand in hand with art design. This is, I think, even bigger picture. This movie, it's one of those um, movies where you can't really spot anything that anachronistically would put it in any, you know, it's supposed to be set in the 50s, but never at a time am I really being like, oh, wow, you know, this couldn't really happen right now, you know? Outside of there's one line later in the movie, which how could they know about cell phones, whatever, but she's like, I got to call my mom. I got to call the hospital. We don't have a phone. You don't have a phone. Like, that's the only part in this movie where it doesn't feel like an evergreen flick. Mm -hmm. You know, it could just be like a timepiece. It could be set anytime, really anytime, you know? I 100%. Love the timelessness of this movie. And again, um, that, that's more to that glorification of the the rustic lifestyle. And I'm I'm not saying glorification like that's a bad thing, but it's just the uh, the obvious influence of it. And I think uh, from what I was reading too, this was one of the most personal movies of Miyazaki because it is like semi biographical. Because him and his young brother ended up having to move out into the country with their mom once for a, I don't think it was a sick family member, but it was like for money reasons and they had to go out there and he, he remembers it fondly, but it was actually like a really rough time in their lifetime. But he just, you know, he was a kid. So. And that speaks to like the theme of this movie Mm -hmm. that like the innocence of being a kid and how, like what you come up with to cope with, things happening in your life that need coping with whether it be your mom being in the hospital and maybe you're the older sister so you almost have to be someone who's a rollish model for your younger sibling or something really terrible happens and now you're finding imaginary friends to kind of take you away from the world or dad's not coming home we're stuck in the rain you know what can i do to fill my brain like there's so much innocence and like what kids are going through to help take them out of the world that they're in 
mm-hmm. that later on they might look back at it more fondly than it should be. <laughs> and I love how, uh, like, none of the uh, adults ever chastise them or make fun of them for saying that it, it, it's troll, essentially a troll. What uh, they don't look anything like our trolls, but. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, With like spirits the, the adults and, are just like, oh, yeah. it's it's a Totoro, huh? Well, isn't that cute? You know, they're just like, they're never like, oh, you know, those aren't real, right, girls? They're just like, oh. I love that culturally. I just, I'm a little jealous of like cultural differences between what I grew up with and like maybe Japanese cultural differences where like out in the countryside where they might believe and say it's like when i went to iceland and like icelandic trolls are something that's everywhere every yeah and like the fairies and everybody believes there like there's more people that believe in icelandic fairies than they believe in santa mm-hmm. like that's just a part of their culture and yeah. i'm you know i want to believe that maybe in this community or some of the more you know rural places they believe in these these wood spirits and these soot spirits and soot gremlins and all of that stuff that they make up to just kind of explain all of these things. And there's mythos is behind them. And it's nice to see like someone be like, Oh, I saw this. And they're like, Oh my God, that's awesome. They let you see them. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. I like that. I like it's cool too. I mean, I, here in America, like I've always grown up and because of the culture and the media I consumed as a child, like forests have always been fucking scary, terrifying places. There's and bears in there. They will smell well, not only bears, just like, pile. you know, they have, uh, they can, but they have just like, <laughs> there's a foreboding feeling in woods, especially woods like at night, like it feels oppressive almost. And I feel that's led into because of our our culturism as a young country and the fact that we came here and we're an exploratory culture like that was the the fear of the unknown that like became ingrained in a lot of our cultures and so forests here are generally seen as terrifying scary things where uh things that you don't know what they are lurk just outside of your vision whereas like different places that didn't have that like you know i i think that Forest spirits are a very common thing in many cultures, like Japanese. You mentioned Iceland, uh, you know, uh, fairies and such too, and and things in that in a lot of European countries. And I think it's just how they grew up with them differently compared to how we did, especially them as kids, like run off into the woods and you're trying to play with the stuff instead of being a kid and kind of being a little scared of going in there because of like what could happen to you instead sure. of like oh man what can we go find yeah Same this thing. is They're in that exploratory nature we're in that cornfield ain't nobody in america feels good in a cornfield at any no because we're especially in not after 1980 what two nope not after Children that or signs both things terrifying with corn Whew. and things Mm-mm. coming at you in it Mm-mm. corn so many killers have killed people in corn in our media and culture. It, it's terrifying. Have you? Did you watch uh, a Silent Place? I think we a Quiet Place. Did an, a Quiet Place. Yeah, we did an episode. I've seen on the that, first right? one. Uh, I've never seen the second one. Well, there's the scene where he's like, they've got to be walking through the cornrows and stuff, and I'm like, oh hell no, hell, oh hell, hell, hell no. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and that's, that's just good, good buildup. I love that this movie doesn't, like I said, I, I don't think at any point let up that it was going to be, and so, I mean, I think both of us felt at one point that the mother was going to either get worse or go all the way, right? Yeah, I, I think, I, I think she ends up dying shortly after the movie. Really, I think she does yeah. get... I like that the movie ends on a hopeful note, and I, I choose to believe that she does get better. Okay. Because I saw... It doesn't really say what she does have. We don't, I mean, I'm assuming it's some sort of cancer, too. So. Yeah, she. I assume it's some sort of cancer, because it's like... 
she she's in the hospital for a long time. She's going to come home to kind of like acclimate to the environment, but she gets a cold and mm-hmm. they won't let her leave the hospital because I'm sure that's just a like uh, it's something bad. She got be, something could, bad. Yeah, I don't know what really maybe if I was more intelligent I would have researched uh common disease. I really I did think like it could have been a subtle thing of like a radiation sickness, but then I was th- like, why wouldn't the whole family have it? But again, I, you know, it could be doing a lot of things. So I was thinking I think the same thing too. I think, I think it's also this... probably left vague for us to fill it in with whatever. It's roughly eight ish years after World mm-hmm. War II. Mm-hmm. It's possible complications or you know develop something stemming sure. from that could I could mean, make sense. But it is yeah. left wide open and. By the end of the movie, when they do get the telegram from the hospital, I guess that's another thing that can kind of date it. Um, but when they get to telegram from the hospital and she finally calls and like this realization or when the mystery was there and she wasn't even able to call the hospital and that fear of the unknown that I feel, I feel it a lot. I know a lot of other people feel that when there's this, you don't know what's happening, but you automatically always think of the worst thing. And Sotsky's what? reaction was yeah. so heartbreaking. But what I loved, honestly loved about it, was that, like, this is probably a good 10-minute scene of, like, this, they get the thing, and then they're running around and looking. And then we're also following the young sister trying to follow along, which becomes its whole other thing. But I love that, like, once she finally does get a hold of her dad and she's worked herself up to into a frenzy, the first thing her dad does is, calm down. It's okay. We don't know anything. It could be something simple. He's immediately being the, again, ah, such a dad. Just being rational, calm, pulling it down, being like, hey, we'll figure it out. Let me call the hospital. I'll call you back. And then, but then May is lost. So we have to do uh, this whole siege. Dude, that was another thing where you said it just felt they felt like actual sisters. Like the whole reason that Maze lost is because Satsuki's kept it together and been such a good. It's weird to say parental figure because it's not. But, you know, when like Mm -hmm. the older sibling steps up. Yeah. So she's held on to that so well and been such a good older sister in these times where her sister needs somebody but it's during this time of duress and unknown and you know high emotions that she snaps on may which if you got siblings you know that oh yeah you know how that is you know you're tight 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 then all of a sudden like high emotions you snap you almost immediately regret it after like 15 minutes but at that point it's too late may's gone off she's wandering she's run away and now this calm comes over and you're like, fuck, 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 fuck. Yeah. <laughs> Where's May? <laughs> oh, and I love too that like May didn't, she still kept up like Satsuka tried to tell her to go away. But May being as hard headed as her younger sister kept running and she tripped. And then that's she, I love that they missed her by like just a, a fraction. Cause you know, Again, there's so many times that that happens that yeah. like you just miss them by here or there, and uh... and like I don't know if it's because May is also younger and doesn't have that capacity of automatically thinking the worst thing. The only thing that's important to her right now is getting her mom this cor- this corn. cob of corn because yeah. she thinks that this great vegetable that's mm-hmm. got all this nutrients and lots of sun can help her mom get better. That's yep. it. Just the innocence of a child who doesn't know any any better is just trying to do the best that she can for her mom. Yeah. And that's relatable too. I remember doing silly shit like that as a kid, you know? <clears throat> yeah. It's wild shit, man. man. This movie <laughs> fucking ruled. <laughs> yeah, dude. I mean, no ifs, ands, or buts. This movie does rule. And we didn't even talk about... I mean, the the... Totoro is really such a very small part of this overall movie. 
Yeah, it's like you assume that there's so much more. Everybody's seen the image of uh, you got uh, Isatsuki and May on her back, and then you got the Totoro right next to her at like the bus stop. Everybody's seen it. Like if you've heard of this movie, that is the image that you have seen. I must guarantee you. But there's there's only like four other scenes that Totoro's even in. It's like mm-hmm. the first scene in the woods where it's sleeping. And then the second time in the woods when he go when she goes out and is like, May's missing. You gotta help. You gotta help. I don't know what to do. And then I guess it's only three scenes. Oh no, no, no. Cause there's the he bus also stop helps scene the first time. Grow then... the tree. Yeah. And, and the then the scene on top of the tree with the cat bus. Mm-hmm. Second scene with the cat bus. Which... Yeah, and folks, you're not hearing me wrong. Like, seriously, if you haven't stopped listening to this to go watch this movie and check back in, there is a bus that's a cat, mm-hmm. but it, the cat has 12 legs. But it's like a a mini school bus. Yeah. Yeah. And see, he can you get inside of the cat. It's got windows that expand into a door. Uh huh. And his seats are all like super furry lined. Yeah. It's really it's so cool looking and so like out there. Like what the fuck? Where did that even come from? And I love that. Like the first time we get exposed to it is when. I was, dude, I really love this scene of Totoro waiting in the rain. And when she gives him the yeah. fucking uh, the umbrella. umbrella. <laughs> dude, I was literally laughing out loud watching this movie, especially like when he starts to really like the sound of the big raindrops hitting it. And so he just jumps up and does. A he big roars stop. and jumps. <laughs> oh, it's so great. And then all of them hit and he's just like, yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, he's like, he's so childish in his own right. Uh-huh. It was I'll get back to how refreshing Totoro was in this as opposed to other things. But I forgot, listeners, if you somehow didn't look, the image that I chose for this, that I screen capped for this, is the cat bus with Totoro and and Satsuki on top of the tree. It's actually like the end of the movie. Um, I almost, I was, I was going to do the scene of them like, at the school bus, you know, at the bus stop. But they're like, everybody does that. Everybody does that one. Yeah. Everybody does that. Get cat bus in. That's the money shot anyways. Because that's... Fuck I that. love the scene of when it shows up. Because, like, you look down and they... Them, like us, think, oh, that's bus headlights coming. And then the bus headlights start bouncing around. <laughs> yeah. It's and cats then, bouncing everywhere. <laughs> it's like, what the fuck? And then you realize that the cat's jumping over puddles. Because, of course, it's a cat. It doesn't want to get in the water. Yeah. <laughs> and then it, yeah, as it pulls up, you see that its eyes are also headlights. They are projecting light outwards. And uh, yeah, then the, the door gets super wide, wide enough for Totoro to fit easily inside. And then the bus takes off. It's, it's fucking silly. Okay. So what I was going to say is after watching the the very few that I've seen, it's very, it's nice to watch a movie where like the weird and iconic creatures from the movie are like good natured. Yeah. Like spirited away that, that ghost face thing, mm-hmm. that thing's a freaky. What the fuck? Yeah, dude, like in reality, it's a nasty. It's a nasty. It gives a lot. It's of a nasty spoilers. Boy in the heron. The heron's a nasty. It's a nasty. All right. It's it's a nasty. Well, that's earmuffs, tight. Kyle. Sorry. Rewind ten seconds. Earmuffs. That's all right. I think. Um, uh, I'm sure Ponyo is a fucking nasty too. You think? I, I thought Ponyo looked no. like it was going to be cute to me. I will tell you. Uh, I heard it's basically Little Mermaid. Oh, okay. And I'm here for that. Give me a fucked up Japanese like mind bendy Little Mermaid. Um, what is uh, Princess Mononoke has got some gnarly looking nasties. <clears throat> got some nasties? Oh yeah, brother! Hell yeah! I'm um, here for that. 
but yeah, uh, beautifully, beautifully cute, warm overall movie. Like I said, I'm really glad I interpreted it as ending on a hopeful note, and I really appreciated that because overall, I felt the movie was a uh, a testament to hope and the childlike wonder of innocence, and all of that was captured so well. Uh, what a just what an absolute treat to sit down and watch. I, w- I was enwrapped the whole time. It had my full attention. I was on for every second. It was great. And don't get me wrong. I also ended this movie on a hopeful note, but it's a different it's a different thing. You barely have any interaction with the mother in this movie. And I think that that actually really helps build to the hope that I have for this, because while I don't think that she's much longer for that world, what it was showing me this whole time is that as a family, they're strong enough to overcome this and they have, and they have the ways to, you know, grow and they can, you know, she says Satsuki at the end of the movie goes, you know, she's going to die. Like, what am I going to do? Well, probably exactly what you've been doing for the last two weeks that went on the, in this movie. You're going to be a good big sister. Dad's going to do the best that he can. And he knows that you're going to do the best that you can. So it did have, you know, give me hope that while that is a really shitty situation, everybody's just doing the best that they can to cope with this tragedy move on and still be the best them that they can be. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I, yeah, I was going to, did you ever play Nino Cooney? Nino Cooney? I did not. That yeah. would not until recently. That would not have been up my, um, that would not have been in my wheelhouse. Cause the first, uh, the first one they did. Is Studio that the white Ghibli. witch? Yep. Wrath of the white witch studio. Ghibli did, uh, all the animation scenes in it, and I believe they did all of the creature and uh, character design. No kidding. Yeah, dude. Okay. It's it's like playing one of these movies, man. It's I, wild shit. Okay, I, I'm here for that. Um, especially, I am really falling in love with the art style. I, yeah. I love... I love how they do it in that, and and it's across the board in all of these. You know, a lot of the same features you see in everything. Whether it's 1988 in this movie, you see a lot of the, his his touches in 2023, Boy in the Heron. You know, you see in all this stuff, and I have fallen in love with the art style of if they're a hundred feet away, they're almost featureless. Yeah. As they get closer, the features get more in depth. And I used to think that it that looks so dumb and I'm like, oh, it looks so blah. And then I'm watching and you think to yourself, well, if I see someone from far away, like I'm not going to see all their features. Like, why would why would somebody go through the pain of trying to make somebody super accurate from 100 feet away? Exactly. I love and it. Not only that, but do it like a hundred times for one second of animation. Yeah. Fuck that. Mm-mm. That's why we, when we used to, when I was a super hardcore weeb, and me and my friends would watch long runs of series, we'd always call the uh, those scenes we called budget cuts because it's <laughs> like it's two people that have like super long parts of dialogue. But they don't fucking have the budget or the money to draw two faces with their lips moving that much. So what they do is they put two characters standing in a hallway and just slowly will pull the camera back for a sense of movement. But nothing is moving. It's just a, but, and then it looks like two people having a discussion. But like you said, it's like super far away anyway. So they're bland and figureless. Like, you know who it is and you yeah. hear their voice. But like, That's they're just such a great technique. Just budget cut, baby. Got to get. Ugh. Got to get the story along. We ain't got the money to get it. Have two people stand there. Listen, it's like when we talked, we talked about Jackie Chan's um, theory on filmmaking and directing and everything. It feels like a year ago at this point where he said, like, in America, they just don't do this. It's always it's got to be up close. It's going to be shot, shot, cut, cut, cut. Yeah. But there's just some there's a beautiful touch and nuance, whether it be an action movie or an anime that is just done so well. And like those budget cuts, like do you need it to be anything other than that? No, you know who it is. Exactly. 
You get the Amazing. story. It moves along. Get it on. Show the cool fight scene where they cut things in half. That's what everybody's here for. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Dude, I, I love this movie. You want to get into a rating system on this? Uh, yeah, buddy. One. You've got one? Yeah. Okay, you go. I've got one, too, but I'll let you kick us off. Okay. Kyle? Yeah, buddy. You are... Uh... Man, do I go with... Uh... How many of you and your siblings are going to be in a bathtub together? Or <laughs> that's the only weird part of this movie. Uh, yeah, I mean it anyways. is awkward, but it's also like I mean, that would totally be what they would do at that time to save yeah, water. A hundred percent. It was yeah. just so weird watching it now, but yeah. I agree. Anyways, you are a four-year-old. You are just out. You are carefree. I love where they live and that whole rundown, whatever, but it just goes, it, it really embraces like the whole carefree nature of being a kid where they are, you know, say you're outside, you're running around, you're just doing whatever you're playing in the flower. You're playing in the flowers. You're playing in the tall grass and you find a, you find a, um, a pail, a metal pail and you're putting it up to your face and you're looking through it. Cause the bottom's all rusted out and, you know, you see through that and you start seeing like acorns and you're holding it up to your face and you've, you see, you see 14 acorns in your line of sight through this, through this, uh, this rusted out pail. How many, when you pull that down and your, your line of sight is obscured for a second, you know how you're, you see something and your, your vision gets obscured. And then when you see it again, it's a little different out of those 14, how many of those acorns are you able to spot again after your vision's obscured from taking off the pail? I did worry about that, and I appreciated that she kept the pail up while she was searching for them, because I would have had to do the same thing. Because if I yeah. broke that line of sight, I also would have lost it. They're gone. But if I'm this little girl, uh, I am easily, without doubt, putting uh, 14 out of 14 of those acorns in my little dress pouch pocket thing. Nice. I mean, some might fall out as I run around, but uh, I'm stopping to pick those back up so it stays a consistent 14 out of 14. So, <laughs> Cool. This movie fucking rocked, dude. Uh, I mean, we didn't even touch on it, but uh, one of the beautiful things about generally an animated movie is it's going to be a really tight one hour 30. Uh, Miyazaki not... movies usually aren't. <laughs> I know. that's what This breaks the rule. Uh, Miyazaki movies usually do, but this one does not. This one comes yeah. in at an hour 32. So yep. uh, appreciate that too. But yeah, easily. I was Fantastic thrilled. little flick. <laughs> I really, I really do. I want to watch this with my niece and nephews because I think all mm. of them can like it and appreciate it. So yeah, I think this is one of those movies that like what you take from it is absolutely going to change depending on when you're viewing it in life. Yeah, Like, you could watch this when you're 10, and then when you watch it when you're 25, you could have a completely different outlook at, as to, like, what's going on. I dig it. I dig it, too, bro. 14 out of 14. Shawnee. Yo. Say you and your younger sibling are moving into this house in the country, right? Oh, yeah. And you open, you open a door... And 101 soot gremlins run into a crack. How many of those 101 soot gremlins come back out to thank you for watching this movie? <laughs> well, I will tell you that they all made a mistake because call me Cruella DeVille. I'm taking all 101 of the soot gremlins. <laughs> into the back room skinning them and making, making a myself cute little coat i'm making myself a cute little soot gremlin coat uh, it would be uh, really cute man not gonna lie it'd be super it, fucking cute this movie's this movie's amazing it is one of those when i like so often i see just the other day i saw somebody come in with a totoro hat like wearing a totoro hat and that was sure. like the day it was later that day that we decided to do this movie and um, I was already planning on watching this movie anyways this week. So it worked out great. But it's one of those you see that and you think, 
man, can it be that good? Is this is this person just being like a little weird weeb, whatever? <laughs> yeah, it can really be that good. This movie, I think you texted me yesterday when you're watching it saying, this is this is like one of the most wholesome movies I've ever watched. I guess it's something cutest, like that because it was super cute cutest. too. Yeah. Um, it, it, being a tight one thirty hour thirty, dug it because from what I've seen, scrolling through the movies and kind of determining what I'm going to be watching coming up. Some of these Miyazakis are like two hours and twenty minutes long, so. You yeah. got to like buckle down and really be up for the long run. So I'm glad that this this didn't ride that train. And seriously, look at the cover art, folks. This cat bus and this like <laughs> Dude, Totoro's just deranged, man. It is. Like he he is deranged. Like, like his deranged. way of doing anything is just like a gigantic growling yell yeah. with these wow. big old human teeth. <laughs> I love it too. He's got massive chompers. (laughs) He's just a... He don't give a fuck. He's just like dead eyes staring off into the distance. Big ass grin. (laughs) I love it. Yeah, he's great. I like Totoro too. You renting this movie? Uh, No, I'm actually... I would would rent this movie and then like say I lost it. I I would keep this one. It's too cute, man. This is one that I, I see myself watching again in the future at any point it's it's a nice little feel good it's wholesome fuck man same yeah i want to bring that back on the movies i think we've uh not done them on the last couple oh yeah the rent- but yeah. uh rent from the theater rent from the movie store i'm renting and then just never bringing it back mm-hmm. it's like my copy of uh dante's inferno from 2008 that i got from the library did i ever tell you about that no I don't have a library card right now because in 2008, I I, I borrowed Dante's Inferno and then... The DVD? No, the, the, the book. book. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then ripped pages out of it because I thought it was cool and rolled joints with them. Oh, gosh. Yeah, it was terrible. It was so oh, bad. God. It tasted so bad, dude. Oh, God. <laughs> oh man. So I, I, I you, haven't man. returned it and yeah, I still obviously. have an outstanding... <laughs> oh. You know what's terrible? Like all I have to do is bring in like two cans of beans, and they'll be they'll forget it, right? Yeah, and they'll forget it. Guess yeah. who hasn't done that? I know, man. The library gives you so many chances, dog. They're I've the been there the five times in the last month, donating yeah. books, and I haven't like brought them cans to forgive my my prior. Go get that squared up. No, I, I like being a <laughs> rebel. Rebel, rebel without body. Ah. All right, buddy. Well, we're diving uh, headfirst into some uh, something. Woo! Let's see where we go from here. I get National yeah. Lampoon's Christmas Vacation 2. Yeah. It's going to be a real banger. You know what Paul said? He goes, wow, it's real funny. You guys are doing a Christmas movie and you aren't even close to December or July. Yeah, we don't care. We do yeah, what I don't we care. Want. That's for action. We do movies. what we want. But yeah. Yeah. Ask that dude if he's seen the Thanksgiving one. I'm curious. Will do. If I remember. Anyways, Kyle, tell these fine listeners what they can go do. You can and go then stick around for after the post credits for Kyle to ask me, oh, would you rather? That's right. But before or is that. It, or is it my time? I think it is your time. Fuck. Okay. But until then. Uh, everybody, pretend like you're not coming back and go Totoro Yoselfo. Would you rather, okay, so imagine if you will, imagine if you will that there is a a bus made out of a cat. It's got uh-huh. 12 legs, furry, furry tail, but inside it. of it, yeah, yeah, but, uh, and the yeah. seats are furry, 
but the walls are like the inside of a cat. It's, you oh, know, God. it's slimy. It's gross. Okay. So it's like getting inside of a cat. Okay. Would you rather get inside of that or get inside of our cartoonishly cute spider bus? Oh. Uh, easily, but 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 the walls inside the spider bus are just it's just metal. I think still cartoonishly cute spider bus, because I don't. Have you ever seen Lucas the spider? No. Lucas the spider is the cutest fucking thing in the world, dude. <laughs> okay, I may have and, made uh, that too easy, but that's okay. Yeah, for real. That's I mean, it. it's, dude, as soon as you said the inside, outside of the seats is like the innards of a cat. And I saw the sliminess and the red pink, and I was like, nah, I mean, I don't care what the second one is. I ain't getting in that cat bus. Don't fucking care, dog. If I wanted to do that, I'd play that fucking one game that came out two years ago with the weird meat guns. (laughs) I don't know what you're talking about, but that sounds gross. It is really fucking gross. I'll send you both of these things. Okay, please do. All right, right, bye, everybody. Bye, y'all.